Hey everyone, and welcome to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Twin Peaks The Return, episode 6. Uh, full spoilers for the episode, of course, as always. And uh, here we are, once again. And you know what? More and more, I'm feeling like this is an 18-hour movie that is just... Obviously, we can't watch an 18-hour movie in one chunk, although I'd give it a bloody good try. And, uh, and I bet I bet Lynch wishes we could. He probably does. But it was just the way that started off with the same music from the end of last episode. We started with, you know, Cooper with the statue in the same spot. I was like, you know, this really does just flow. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like we, we talked a lot during the, the original two seasons of how there was often episodes that didn't really have any episodic arc. They mm-hmm. were just part of the story. This entire show of of the return kind of feels that way. It does, but not in a bad way though. It feels no, much, no, no. It, it feels it's got a, a I, continuity to it. Yeah, I think it jarred a little bit whenever it happened like that in the first the first couple of seasons because it was kind of contradicting some of the more TV, you know, general TV elements that they were making them use because it was a TV show on on network. Yeah. So uh, whereas here it is completely unfiltered. It's what it is, and yeah. it knows what it is, and it is, it's working on it. So. Uh, let's, let's get into it. Um, so yeah, as I said, uh, Cooper's still standing at the statue. Uh, I think the only notable thing here is the guard comes up to him again, and this time he's really fascinated with his badge. He's, yeah. he's, he's recognising the badge. Much of what he said last time, he was recognising things like case files, the word agent. Here he's like, oh, badge, oh, shiny. Yep. Uh, basically, that's it. But uh, yeah, so the, the security guard ends up taking him home. Uh, I remember we, last week we said, oh, did Jenny not remember that he didn't have a car? And sure enough, as soon as she sees it, oh, Dougie, I'm sorry, I forgot, you didn't have your car. <sighs> no, admittedly, admittedly, most people would expect, you know, a, a man of man of Dougie's age to maybe be able to find his way home. Get a bus, maybe a cab. Yeah. Walk, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that, that would be a fair expectation. Yeah, admittedly, she did see how out of it he was in the morning so maybe maybe she should have thought better but yeah uh, I, I can't complain uh too much uh so they they, they, they there's like a mysterious envelope she, like, it feels like she assumes that because when the guard hands it to her he's like oh there's a thing down here for you it's like she assumes it's just part of dougie's uh yeah like case files. yeah uh, that's kind of what it felt like at least what she thought at the time uh but she gets some gets some salvage and the they basically just talk about they talk about owing money and whatever and they, he uh, she's like oh you better go up and say goodnight to Sonny Jim go up and be with him yeah. uh, and there's a funny little bit where he, he walks past the stairs and she has to shout Dougie there's a, there's a lot of yelling Dougie at him coming from Jamie there is yeah it's like up the stairs and then he just kind of stands at the bottom of the stairs for a while and then he goes up one step at a time like both feet onto yeah. one step yeah uh, here's, what, here's what I was really noticing actually uh, when he when he's seen Sonny Jim, I, maybe I'm paying t- t- for too close details here, but his bed, his uh, covers, did you notice the the, the the design on them? I did not, but I hazard a guess as to where you're going with this. Where, where do you think I'm going? Are they zigzags? No, 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 not zigzags. Okay. Stars. Ah, okay. And obviously we had to have him falling through the space and all that. Yeah. When, when he got out the, the main part of the lodge. Don't know if there's anything to say about that. You know, he's, he's, his son is literally lying in a bed of stars. Yeah, yeah, could go either way. Because it's it's not like it's something that you'd see that would be strange for a child. Oh no, bed. of course not. No, but given what Lynch is like, I yeah, expect yeah, yeah, it yeah. to be an intentional. Cho- even if it doesn't really mean anything, just a just as a, a almost a reminder. Yeah. So I see that. Uh, so they have a nice little moment. He he, he tries to you know pass off the the, the crisp uh, chip for. Uh, 
uh, audiences who are not familiar with the word crisp. Um, but uh, I read into this because the, the kid's got a, a clapper. He, he's like, he, you yeah. know, claps on and off. And he's like, oh, we stay with me till I go to sleep, Dad. And he, he claps and light goes off. And of course, Cooper's very enthralled by this and he claps it back on and then it, and he claps it off and then he claps it on. Uh, and then what I thought was interesting, because we cut down to Janie E for a bit, and we'll talk about where that leads in a minute, but it comes back up and I noticed the light had switched. Uh, like before, before it cut to her, the kid was clapping it off and Cooper was clapping it on. When it came back to them, it switched. The kid Are was, you sure? It had, yeah. The kid was clapping it on and uh, Cooper was clapping off the second See, time. I, I had assumed, maybe I'm just misremembering, I assumed he was always clapping it, Cooper was always clapping it off because the the whole point was the kid wanted the light on. He was like, oh, can I sleep with the, the, the light on? Yeah, that's what he was doing at first. Did I not say that? Yeah, so the kid clapped it on and then Cooper claps it off. Oh, Cooper, yeah. It, it switched when they came back, though. I remember it switched. Right, okay. Right. I, I got it the wrong way around, but yeah. yeah. The kid claps it on because he wants it on and Cooper claps it off, but when, when it comes back, it flipped. And mm. maybe, again, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but um, it's, it's almost like the kids try to make him see the light, you know, just in a sort of thematic way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and like he's sort of saying, no, he's not ready to see the light yet. Mm. Uh, but when it came back, I'm, I'm sure it switched. I, I'm going to go back. And, I've watched it twice, but you're making me doubt myself now. Um, but I could have sworn it switched. Um, but yeah, and the other small thing here, uh, which is less lately, but I was just sort of thinking the reason why Cooper was so enthralled by it is because it was like a slow version of the strobe light that we associate with... Uh, people coming from the Red Lodge. Hmm. It's not quite a strobe, obviously, but the idea that it's going on and off, it's Yeah, like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Kind of getting there. Yeah, I hadn't considered that, but that, that works. Yeah. Uh, but Janie E gets very upset. She sits down Dougie, and I'm like, oh dear, what's she, what's she seen in that envelope? Because cause that's what we see when it cuts to her. She's opening the uh, the envelope. Yeah. Um, and, just, <laughs> and it's a picture of Dougie with Jade. <laughs> and Jenny, who is this? Oh, you know, she, she, she's. Uh, I told you to pay them, and they've sent sent us this. He's like, oh, Jade. You know, he just remembers the yeah, name. He, and he says, drops himself right in the shit. Yeah. And he says, Jade. It's like, oh, is that her name? And then he says, Jade gave two raids. Oh, I bet she did. <laughs> oh man, I know some people are frustrated with this Dougie stuff and really want us to get back to Cooper. Remember, and I, I am looking forward to that. But I'm 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 loving this. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. It's like I, I want to get back to Cooper. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be great. But man, I'm having fun with this at the same time. Oh no, Janie gave two rides. That that made me laugh, especially uh, Janie E's. You know, I bet she did. But after, she says a couple of other things about oh, we need to sort this out. And th- then Cooper just says it's just because she says Jade again. And then C- Cooper just goes Jade, and he smiles after he says her name, and that made me lose yeah. it because it. Yeah. Because it was like he doesn't even care she's upset, I and mean, we know why he doesn't care. But it, it, that's what, from her perspective, it's like he doesn't even care she's upset. He's just smiling because he's thinking about Jade. It, it just it oh it it broke me. Yeah, it broke me. Um, uh, and then the phone rings. And, it, and then the phone rings. Uh, Janie E answers it, and it is the people wanting, and it is gambling. I think that was one of the first things you guessed uh, when, it, yeah, when it came up. Uh, we also theorised lots of things about how it was connected to maybe some of the hitmen. Was was one of those things related to that? Turns out it doesn't mm. seem to be. Seems to be completely separate. Does seem to be, yeah. Uh, whereas the hitman, I think, is more to do with uh, Doppelcoop and the actual Twin yeah, Peaks I'm, plot. It seems to be inclined to agree with that now. Yeah. Whereas this is more. Um, just a random Dougie. Well, this is what Dougie yeah. was doing with his life beforehand. 
Uh, but Jenny E says like, no, he's not going to speak to you. He's indisposed. I'm going to speak to you. I'm fine. So she basically takes command of the situation. She gets... My favourite bit is where she does the shush, fingers uh, to the lips, um... and he just puts his up to her lips as well. <laughs> and then she gets annoyed and slaps him away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, God. It's good stuff. Uh, but she basically makes a meeting. So, I don't know, you do not go to his office. Uh, and for the same reason, uh, a little bit later, she says, uh, you better get started in that work. The last time you need you is you losing your job. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell that she's taking command. She's going to take care of it. What I thought was interesting, she said, oh, I'll meet you at this you know, the corner of this park, corner here. Uh, I'll be the one with the red purse. Yeah, yeah I noticed that too. Yeah. Just another little thing on this phone call I thought was really strange. She said, I'll meet you at noon 30 tomorrow. Noon 30? Is, is that something some like some people say i've never heard it said like that i didn't even notice yeah it really stood out uh, I've, I've never heard like you know at noon uh, fine but noon 30 seems she said twelve thirty after to dougie but yeah because i was just about to say i remember her saying twelve thirty, but she, she said, said that ways, to dougie yeah. but she said noon 30 on the phone and i don't know if this is just something i've never heard before and it's just completely normal uh, but it really stuck out to me as weird i mean i've never heard it but i also never even i never noticed it i just kind of Roll through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know exactly what it means. Like, there's no. I, 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 yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I get what it means, but it just I've never heard anyone say it like that before. Interesting. <laughs> Is it just Lynch being Lynch? Is he throwing in a weird combination of words that you never do? It could be. That's the thing. I the, the problem is I don't know if it's just here's, here's, something that people use. I don't know, and if or if it's just him being strange. Here's a question: Have you ever heard the word unmitigated? Without the word disaster after it. No, probably not. I was as soon as you said unmitigated, my mind goes disaster. It's the only you know, it's word association. That is the only winning answer. Have you ever heard someone say this was an unmitigated success? No, you've not. <laughs> no, you've not. but someone should say that. Yeah, make it a trend. You can't just have words married to other words like that. They should be free. Well, they should. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that scene. Uh, we got a, a brief scene of uh, some traffic lights, uh, and you know, started green, amber, ended on red. Of course, big thematic thing, yeah. uh, which obviously leads to ideas of Twin Peaks plot and the lodge and all the rest of it. Uh, also, the sound design in this scene—it was very much the electrical static that we yeah, associate, that yeah, that we associated with when Cooper was coming out and the, the idea that there was traveling going through the. And it went from this to the lodge. Actually, it went to the the one our man yeah. uh, and what I thought was interesting is he was doing the same thing that he did the last time he sort of appeared to Cooper and he, he was sort of like, he had his hat you know his one arm up sort of it was like he was looking he's trying to find him so he can communicate kind of idea yeah yeah um, but he, he appears uh, and I, I wonder if even it's now I'm not sure about this because given a later scene and there's power lines then as well so I may have a second theory in this but at least if it's if this, these power lines here are just related to the one armed man I wonder if he's using the lines to communicate like he's actually using them to go Could through be. yeah yeah um, but yeah he appears to Degas he's sitting there before he starts working on the files and he he says you have to wake up uh, and then he repeats the phrase don't die a few times. Uh, and I actually, this is what I actually thought by the end of the episode he might wake up, you know, and become Cooper because I thought, all right, they're clearly the fact that the Warren man's clearly saying to him, "Look, you're not awake. You need to wake up." Um, it does tell. It does. That says to me unequivocally, this is not going to go on all season and get to the end. It's not going to be oh, last episode. Finally, the Cooper's back just for the ending. Yeah. Um, to the point where I almost thought it was going to be this episode because if if you think of this as one big movie, this is six of eighteen. So this is one third. This is the end of yeah. Act One, roughly. 
Yeah, give or take. I think it's mm. interesting. He kept saying, don't die. And I think it's like he'll have to have a near-death experience so that he wakes up. Oh, I didn't read that. I, I'll, I'll get back to what I think that means uh, in a later scene because it's relevant okay. to later. But uh, I, I read that as a, a as a little bit differently. Um, but no, so so that was that. But then, then Cooper stops working on his case files, and I love that this one set music is uh, become the Cooper Doogie theme. Yeah, because because it, it comes back in the, the little saxophone, and the backing track comes in as he's he's looking at the files. And what's really funny about this scene is this is one of those scenes where. It makes no sense. There's, there's nothing about it that actually says anything to us. He's, he's just working on files. There's little green lights on the files guiding yep. him, kind of like with a big green light on uh, Tom Sizemore's face uh, last episode. And the idea is that, that there's something guiding him. Whether it's like the uh, the lodge guiding him at, say, the casino, or whether it's like a separate thing where the green lights just indicate his own instinct. Yeah, I'm more inclined to think that's just intuition, the green. Right, okay. or, uh, this one's, it's it's less green, it's more of even just a white light almost. Hmm. Um, but I think the red is clearly the lodge, yeah. whereas this one seems to be, no, that's him. Um, and at first I think, oh, he's, he's going to be a genius here and actually just fill these out. And then he starts drawing ladders and stairs on every page. You know, he did a little couple of marks and he circles a couple of things in it as well, but the, the main thing he's doing on each page is he's drawing a ladder and stairs. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting, the, the combination of ladders and stairs. Like, the first one is a ladder and then stairs next to it. Yeah, And, and then the like, next one, the stairs are above the ladder. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, there was a few combinations. I can't remember the exact order of them, but yeah, every page it was like a different sequence yeah. of them. Um, almost as if it was saying something. Um, and I'm like, all right. I'm pretty sure this is not how you fill out insurance forms. <laughs> yeah, it it, it just looks sure. like nonsense. Yeah, it does. That said, I did sort of uh, even at this point, I thought to myself, I bet there's going to be still some valuable. Like he's still done something that's going to make sense to someone here. Somehow. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, because we'd followed the, if if the intuition marker or, or the yeah. light hadn't been there, I'd go, no, he's just scribbling nonsense. Hmm. But that there tells me no, there is meaning to this. There is something in there. I just. But, don't have any Especially idea since I think the theme as well seems to come in when he's he's having a moment of understanding. Clarity. Maybe even if he doesn't understand what he's understanding, he somehow gets something. Again, intuition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, um, and I, th- I think what's interesting is oh, in fact, I'll talk about this when we get to the, the scene that relates to it. There's a few things here that connect because they go to other scenes. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was the case files. Uh, but then we cut to Albert, who is uh, in the city. Uh, he's talking to Gordon over the phone. Gordon's having a have, have, having a nice Bordeaux with his wife, by the sounds of it. And uh, that's just a really simple scene. Uh, Albert goes into a bar and he says, Diane. And sure enough, Laura Dern turns around in a wig. I don't know if that's meant to be like what her hair will be all season, because in all the photo shoots, she had a normal you know, long hair. Right, okay. And it's obviously a wig, so I'm wondering if it's a wig that Diane puts on when she goes out, rather than... This is yeah, what she's yeah, actually yeah. Meant to uh, be, that's, but... that's very possible. Yeah. Uh, but that, that was a scene. I don't think there was anything to read into. No? No, yeah. I mean, it's just go, it, all it does is answer who they were talking about before. Yeah, I'll take but, a okay, point. They, they would... I'll, I'll take yeah, a point. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, g- I'll give you that one. <laughs> um, but no, it's exciting. Exciting to see Diane. Um, so, that's cool. Uh, so we have Diane, and then we went to a scene between Richard Horn and Red. Red's the character who we thought was uh, uh, Ray at the end of the, the second episode, if you remember. And that was, that yeah. was the first and only... I think the only time I've seen him so far before this episode was in was in the Bang Bang Bar at the end of episode two. Um, 
but they're making a drug deal. He seems to be like a sort of kind of a kingpin, and then Richard Horn, who was seen in the Bang Bang Bar last episode, uh, threatening sexual assault on someone, he seems to be the sort of hothead, kind of Bobby-esque character, but, but, but a bit more erratic. He's, he's certainly more uh, like unhinged than Bobby ever was, but certainly feels Along like the same evolution. lines, yeah. yeah. He feels like the evolution, that, and he's a young guy peddling the cocaine or whatever it is they're, they're smuggling in. Um, this was a, a very surreal scene, actually, because we we had first of all, uh, I, I like the the bodyguard in the background, big 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 guy. He's holding this ridiculous gun that's huge. Yeah, yeah, the big rifle. Yeah, uh, and he just kept sort of like chuckling about what was happening, and that, that was really like my eye kept going to his face in the scene, just watching him sort of react to what was going on. He, 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 kept he, having, he was having fun with it. Yeah, he was enjoying uh, young Richard Horn being a. Basically, shown who's boss as the gist of the scene. It's basically Ray or Red. Sorry, <laughs> said the wrong name. Uh, it's basically Red uh, showing that he is the boss, showing that he has control of the situation. I've got some key quotes uh, written down here. Uh, he says a couple of weird things like, "Have you ever studied your hand?" He's got this kind of erratic thing. It's almost like he's schizophrenic and he's like switching between personas mm. uh, mid scene to an extent. Uh, at one point he says he's got a problem with his liver and he hits his hand but then the the, the real interesting stuff comes though uh, when when Richard says don't call me kid and then that's almost like Red feels prompted to show no, I will call you kid because I'm in charge and he does this trick with the coin he gets yes. gets the coin out and he, he tosses it into the air and then it seems to just spin in the air yeah it just stays the- at first I thought oh, I was just doing a slow motion thing hmm you know, sometimes you go up, you watch it spin, yeah, yeah. and then you, you linger on that. But then it cut back down to the faces, and then cut back up to the coin. I was like, "Oh, that was real time." Yeah, and then the the trick is that, and by the way, the, the sound of a coin in someone's mouth, is, especially with Lynch turning up the the, the you know the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the 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 foley and stuff, uh, is disgusting. <laughs> like just as he was realizing the coin was in his mouth, uh, Richard, that is, he pu- he pulls it out, and then the coin drops into into Red's hand and then Richard looks back down at his hand and it's missing yeah um, and then he's like this is you and he's like it's, a, it's the tails and he flips it over onto his hand and he's like and this is me and it's like I'm the head you're the tail and then obviously the whole thing that he got the coin in his mouth and then back again without him even realising it's like no I'm running circles around you that you, yeah. you have nothing so, some, on me some magic coin voodoo going on there <laughs> yeah um, I, I, don't, I don't really have much to read into this scene other than it's just Red's an intense... Like, we saw Richard was intense last episode, but Red's arguably more intense, but he certainly acts like more of a civilised person in public, at least from the small scene we got from the Bang Bang Bar, where he just kind of nodded towards Shelley. Although, if Shelley's actually attracted to him, she's got a really bad history of attracting assholes. She does. She, <laughs> she does. does. She used to pick better. She's, like, <laughs> criticising her daughter for, like, oh, there's this little sort of prepubescent moustache ginger asshole is too not good enough for you but she's i mean it runs in the family doesn't it we saw her, uh, her mother but she's somehow attracted to our third cocaine dealer yeah 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 i thought it was interesting it was called red given that you know we've been talking about the color yeah. red I, I, as a as a big theme I, I think that is important i agree uh, I, I don't really know if i've got anything to say about it yet but no, but we've been talking about how red kind of points the direction mm. from the lodge. So maybe it's it's he he's pointing the direction that that Cooper will have to follow once he's in town. There's a dog outside barking in the distance. I don't know how audible it is over the mic, but um, I don't believe it is. Oh, good. That's nice. 
so then we went to a trailer park, and uh, Carl, uh, played by Howard Dean Stanton from Fire Walk with Me, appeared. This is uh, this these couple of scenes confused me at first because I assumed he was still in uh, Portland, Oregon. I believe was uh, the location that he was in the film. Uh, but it turns out he's actually quite close to Twin Peaks, if not in Twin Peaks itself. Given yeah, I got that just from the because this had the big shot of all the logs, didn't it? Well, that, no, that was before the uh, the uh, red Richard scene. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Which, by the way, that felt oddly nostalgic. Just seen the logs, to be honest, because we haven't seen them sure. yet. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting. It seems like there's a lot more logs than than we saw before. More of an industry, maybe now. More of a yeah, yeah. yeah it's moved on. Less of a family business, more of a big company kind of mm. thing, maybe. Um, but yeah, so it was just because it seems like he lives just outside of Twin Peaks because he, he mentions that he comes to town every day. So his idea is that maybe Twin Peaks is the closest actual town that he can go to to get supplies and things mm. like that. But he's still running a trailer park. Um, but here's the real interesting thing. Uh, the guy comes up, I actually didn't catch the guy's name. Uh, he comes up and asks, asks if he can get a ride into town. Uh, but he seems to be... I mean, I'm assuming married, but I mean, it could be his sister, I suppose. Uh, but he, he lives with Linda. Yes. Now remember, remember the giant episode one. Remember Richard and Linda. We have now got one of each. Yes. For uh, now. Yeah, because he, he wants to go. To, he wants to go to town because he has to check Linda's PO box. Was the was the reason? Yeah. Uh, and he mentioned that they just got a nice fancy wheelchair for her, uh, but he complains about the government not, like you know, it took six months to get the wheelchair. They're, they're really having to like struggle to get any help, that kind of thing. Uh, and then there's a little bit about uh, Quentin smoking, which, to be honest, I feel like that's just Lynch having a dig at people who don't like smoking, because I know Lynch is a chain smoker, basically. <laughs> so, um, but the, the, the guy's like, oh no, I quit. I want to, but then I quit. And then Harry Dean Stanton's like, no, no, I've been smoking for 70 years every damn day. <laughs> yeah, 75 years. Even he, more. Must, he must. I mean, he's an old guy, but he must have started young if he. Well, say, I go. I think typically people tend to start around like if you're going to start young. From my experience, it seems to be around thirteen to fifteen. Yeah, but that'd put him close to ninety. It would. I mean, I know which is. I mean, he's yeah. old, but I don't know if he's hitting ninety. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, "Are you really like ninety odd?" Because um... otherwise, I mean, even to be eighty, you'd have had to start at five. Exactly. You don't start. No one starts at five. They just don't, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the parent would actually have to encourage you to start if you're going to start at five. <laughs> They'd have to delight it for you. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, so that was that scene. And obviously, there's some Linda intrigue here, but obviously, I think the main purpose here, because this is actually probably the most orchestrated, I feel like, uh, any of the show has been so far, where this scene and the Red Richard scene are kind of coming together. Like, these start intercutting between each other, along with the next yeah. scene that I'm about to talk about. Uh they all intercut because they all lead to the same sort of moment. And, uh, and, the, and the next scene I'm talking about is the double R. Uh, Heidi, who was in the original show, with her ridiculous laugh. Uh, oh, I hate that laugh. <laughs> it's so annoying. I just want to... Oh, just do, shove some cherry pie down her throat. Shut her up. Do you know what? I don't mind the laugh so much. I mean, it's not a good laugh, but what bothers me about it is that almost anything triggers it. Yeah, that's the problem. It's yeah. I wouldn't mind it if it was just once, but it's when it's so much of this stupid, annoying laugh. It's really, it's really constant, and uh, like the oh, I got the name. Hold on, Miriam. Miriam. Yeah, Miriam's just talking about how she 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 came in. So, oh, I bet they've got a piece of cherry pie with that name on it, and sure enough, they do. <laughs> um, and I'm like, that wasn't that funny. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> stop it. 
Uh, but she leaves a nice tip for uh, the, the, wait- the waitresses, uh, her and Shelley, of course. Shelley's yeah. uh, kicking around. And they're like, oh, she's 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 quite nice. And they mention she works at a school because she mentions uh, taking a bit, a bit of some coffee for, uh, for one of the mums. And she mentions that the kids are lovely this year. Uh, so she's either a teacher or maybe she's got like a sort of office job at the school kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it sets up that she's a very delightful person. Uh, maybe a little bit annoying, <laughs> but harmless and delightful. Cheery. Yeah, yeah. And they talk about how she, she's obviously quite a nice person as well. Like They talk about how she can't really afford to leave a tip like that. Oh, that's she's right, done yeah. it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, this is all building to the next thing, but that, that that's there and that's, that's set yeah. up. Um, and again, it's, it's nice to start to just drop into like, a place like the Double R Diner now, because we were up for the first time last last episode. It's, oh, now we can just drop in there and see Yeah, yeah we don't have on. to wait for it now. We can just have things there. Yeah, uh, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, so Richard, there was actually like a brief shot between a couple of these scenes before now with uh, Richard being pissed off in his truck. Like he's, he's pissed off. He, he took some of the, the cocaine at the meet, so he's, a bit, he's, he's, he's out his head and yeah. he's he's angry. He's pissed, he's pissed that he, he feels small because of Red. Uh, keeps repeating like don't call me kid yeah and then we see we see carl uh, in the park and he's just he's just an old man in the park you know enjoying the mm. nice day and he, he notices a mom with a, a, a little kid and they're, they're playing a little game where the kid sort of runs ahead and the mom chases up after him and then he runs ahead mom chases up after him and they're like oh this is all going somewhere bad yeah yeah <laughs> like, it's when it's cut in between yeah the, you know him in the car and then this i'm like this can't end well. I want to point out, it's not even a car, it's a big goddamn truck. It's a big like truck, yeah. Yeah, like the, the front of the truck is like taller than, you know, the the, the, the the hood's like, you know, five foot up or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big truck. It's a big truck. And uh, and it gets to the traffic lights, and again, we come back to, so, so this is where I think the traffic lights from earlier, I think it also foreshadows this, and if it's not just foreshadowing, uh, well, we'll see, I'll see what happens. So, there's a now the point here is that Richard goes on the wrong side of the road. He's because he basically he's pissed that there's a, a car in front of him at the lights waiting. He's like, oh screw this, and he's going to go down the wrong side. Which you know, uh, I I think anyone it's clearly his fault, obviously, because he's, he's driving on the wrong side of the road. The road rules are not just there for other cars. It's, all, it's also a pedestrian crossing. So exactly, yeah. Like they're, yeah. like they're in the right to cross there, and uh, yeah. and the cars should stop. Yeah, I mean, I, I, even without the crossing, though, I think you could argue. Oh, even you, without you, that, yeah. You should expect the cars to drive on the correct side of the road. I mean, you should. You should I mean, admittedly, be safe. Always check both sides as you're crossing. But if you're only having to go past like half half of the road, you're usually pretty safe, knowing as long as they're not coming from that direction, you're. you're yeah, good. yeah. You should be in theory. And I then mean, and they've been waved across by the car waiting there. So in theory, anything that comes up would stop behind them. Oh yeah, the guy, in the, the guy in the car who waves him across either is fine. Like he's, he's yeah. he, again, he's making the correct, the correct call. Uh, there, this is purely on Richard uh, and perhaps some divine intervention. Uh, get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he goes down the wrong side of the road. The kid runs out, and Lynch does not pull a punch here. You see the kid get smacked with a truck. Yeah, my notes just say kid went splat. It's just, yeah. It's, it's, he's going pretty quick. <laughs> he is, and you just watch it smack right into him. And it's a, it's a hit and run. He just, I mean, obviously, I don't expect Richard to you know be the upstanding citizen and get out. And but he yeah. he just drives. Uh, now that, this actually doesn't come right away, but I just want to mention now. Uh, Miriam said that that's the reason why that was in, that was intercut here is because Miriam sees his face. Like when he's yeah. driving away, she sees she sees a bit further up the road at the Double R Diner. So this is why we know this is all Twin Peaks because the double she just came out of the Double R Diner. So yeah. there's no doubt we're in Twin Peaks, and 
she see she sees his face as he goes past, and he sees that she sees his face. Uh, so and she and he says, "Ah, oh, I told him to get out of the way." Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he's saying it as if, oh yeah, because the warning, yeah, because he says, "Get out of the way," as he's like a second away from splatting him. I know, I know, <laughs> but. Uh, so is that uh, it's worth mentioning that I, there was a piece of music a couple episodes ago with Sonny Jim that I speculated might have been new composition from the composer um, I don't know if that was for sure but I know this this music here was this was because mm. I, I, see, I seen them talking about it there was an interview uh, uh, apparently he scored this scene uh, before they even started shooting uh, this was Lynch just described the scene to him and he he went for it yeah. uh, it's incredible tracks very haunting uh, yes. everyone reacting Oh, you've got a bunch of extras who are staring in like shock and horror. The mother's holding her it's, kids. It's got some of those where it's really kind of not that great acting, mm. especially in a moment like this, but it kind of Twin Peaks kind of gets away with it because I expect a level of quirkiness. Like, even in things yeah. like this where I expect things to not feel quite right, so them not yeah. acting quite right kind of still fits the tone, weirdly. It, it does. and I, I think it also it gives it this weird authenticity as well in a strange way where... I think you wouldn't know how, how to react if yeah, you'd just seen yeah. that. You'd kind of be in shock. So you, you know you're supposed to put your hand up to your face and be like... But you, 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 like, you're almost going through it because you're expected to do it because you're too much in shock to actually really react. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a weird excuse for some shitty extra acting, but honestly, it kind of works in this case. It does, it does. Um, but yeah, the mother's holding her kid. She's crying out in pain. The music's blaring. It's great. Uh, Carl comes up and just tries to comfort i guess just, just puts his hand on her shoulder and well i mean this is just after he sees like the the flame in the sky yeah, yeah. He, he sees the whole thing uh take place and he can, or he doesn't maybe see the whole thing uh the actual impact but he walks I up and he sees yeah them. he hears it for sure yeah and he, he walks up and sees them uh and we get this shot of uh of a sort of you said flame yeah sort of light flame kind of thing basically yeah. basically the kid's essence yeah, yeah. Uh, that's basically what it was. You see it floating up from his body, uh, and it goes past some power lines, uh, which is very interesting. And the way I read this, this is why when you said earlier, uh, or when I said earlier, I had another interpretation of the the traffic lights, uh, or in the in the don't die, the yeah, yeah. one man's don't die. I think, I think this kid died. Obviously, in a real world sense, it's because Richard's a, a coked out idiot who. Mm did what he did but i think the kid died because the lodge is demanding lives because cooper's out okay i i think i think i think it's on a warpath i think the reason why one of them has to go back in is because balance is not restored and because of that lives innocent lives are being taken so you think they're just trying to fill the quota like trying to kinda, get the balance kinda. by putting anyone's life in. Uh, another thing i noticed as well uh, at the end of this scene uh, uh, it, remember how last week I said there was power lines in Firewalk With Me and the font on them was the same as the font in the yeah, yeah. machine? Uh, you see one of those signs again. It's, it's, uh, you do. It's, the, it's the end of the scene. It's on the power the power pole and it goes up and you hear the buzz again. You hear the, the static yep. ambience. Uh, number six. Number time. six, which I think is very interesting because where's Cooper right now? Where's he working for? Lucky seven. He's next. Maybe. Uh, I, don't know. I mean, I mean, <laughs> uh, a reasonable assumption. I don't know. I, I think, I think, I think, I think him saying "don't die" 
I mean, I mean, yeah, he may have a near-death experience, but I, I don't think it's so much that he has to have one and survive. It's more that he knows that there's going to be attempts. There's going to be there's mm. going to be things that come after him. <laughs> more on that in a minute. Um, but like, there's going to be stuff, and it's don't die because he he because we know the Warren man's very much not on Bob's side. He wants yeah. Bob contained. He wants him to lose. Uh, so he's begging Cooper to wake up and don't die because he needs to win. Because he's like the audience almost. He needs Cooper to win. Yeah. So. Uh, it's a very emotional scene though uh, the music was fantastic. obviously the music's a big part of that and why it's so good uh, yeah but definitely no really really good stuff uh, that however was not the was the most shocking scene in the episode uh, we'll get to that in a bit so we cut to Vegas and we return to Mr. Todd who we have not seen since episode 2 if you remember he told someone she's got the job yep. and now it seems very clear who that was that seems to very clearly be the woman from last episode who called the box the woman who was running the hitmen because um, he, 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 basically what happens is again here's the colour red coming he's on his computer and a red square just appears yeah it's a little red pop up and then it fades away which is not a, yeah. which is not a normal computer thing windows don't just fade away uh, but this does it just fades away and it's like it's telling him the, the current hitmen have failed it's just not worked yeah um, and he opens a safe and he pulls out a file and that's all we see in this scene um, and obviously, it's once we see what's in the file that we, we put together that he hired the, that woman uh, who who is working with the hitmen. Um, but that's that's that. But that, that's that scene. Uh, we'll leave that there. Uh, th- then we cut to the, the house and estate at uh, Rancho Rosa, uh, and it's basically just the cops find the car and they make a point of finding the license plate, so they know. So they're presumably going to track down to uh, Dougie to Cooper. Uh, now that they know whose car it is and they've tracked that. Uh, you assume other, so. Yeah, the other point in the scene is that we do cut back to the junkie in the house who once again starts yelling 119, which, of course, as you pointed out when it first came up, is 911 backwards. Yeah. Um, I, I literally have nothing else to go on other than that's the only thing that makes sense to me. I know. I, I, honestly, I, I think it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, as, as much as it can. As, as much as anything in this show makes sense. Yeah. So we come back to the file. We come back to the file that Mr. Todd pulled out of his safe. And it's delivered to a, a, a little guy, a dwarf. Is dwarf the yep. correct term to use these days? Probably not. I but I don't know. I, I don't know what the correct term is. Dwarfism is an actual condition. Yeah. See, I, I keep. I, I often say little person, but that's kind of a mouthful, and I don't know if that even that's meant to be the right term. So I, forgive me if, if anyone who's small uh, like that is watching, and uh, by all means, tell me the correct term that's, uh, can, you know, accepted as, as friendly and not offensive by all means yeah. uh, I, I, I don't actually know um, but he, he he gets the file and what I thought was interesting is it much like Cooper Dougie has a theme song so does Hitmen because we heard this song there's a song that kicks in when he opens the yeah. file and we heard it before with the other Hitmen um, and so right away the music's telling you this is what this guy is even, yeah. even as subtle as it is uh, it is and then he opens the file and there's two photographs in it there's Doogie and there's the woman from last episode so basically Mr. Todd is like alright we need to kill the previous people who failed the job as well yeah yeah kind of like, like you, you fail you, you, you die <laughs> yeah because you know too much or whatever um, yeah. so no it is worth mentioning now he's, he's got a full name in the credits uh, I can't remember what the actual name was because I didn't care because his nickname is what I'm going to use because it was first name nickname last name his nickname, The Spike. It's cool. 
He's the spake. <laughs> so, cool name. He's the spake. I, th- um, I think he deserves that name, actually. I think he does as well. Uh, more in him in a little bit. We go back to work, back to uh, Lucky 7 Insurance. Uh, Cooper's back at work. Uh, a little bit with the elevator. We see him once again uh, with the other guy. He's got the coffee. Although this time his name's on the coffee. Uh, yep. The guy made sure to get him his coffee because he, he knows he was going to want it. Um, a little thing here where he's, he's sort of like not coming out the elevator and the elevator doors keep opening and shutting. Um, and he's kind of smiling. Uh, I kind of read this as like... He needs to come through again. This idea that he needs to come back, he needs to walk through the light, as it were. Mm. Uh, uh, but he, he needs encouragement, and then when he does come through, he gets stuck. The door's shut on him because he, yeah, he takes yeah. too it's, long. I think that's that's where he is at the minute. He's yeah. stuck in the middle. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that's all that was. He was saying. Uh, yeah. But he, the boss calls him into his office. Uh, funnily enough, he doesn't react to Jones. He says Jones like four times, and then he's like, "Doggy." He's like, "Oh, that's me." <laughs> and then he finally comes in. Uh, worth mentioning that uh, Anthony, uh, that's Tom Seasmore's character, he, he was very concerned, he's very worried, because obviously last episode, uh, Cooper called him a liar, and he, he he's, he's concerned what this meeting's about. He looked very tense about it. Yeah, I did notice uh, all the forms that he was working on said Anthony. I, I wasn't sure if that was the whoever was submitting it, but now I'm, I'd forgotten his name at the time, I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's fair. I, and do you know, I hadn't noticed the name was Anthony on the forms, but I kind of assumed it was his forms given from something else in a minute. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he goes into his office. Uh, the windswept theme comes back in. That's the name of the track, by the way. In case, you, in case you're wondering why I'm calling it windswept, that's the name of the track. It's a piece of source music. Um. And the boss is looking through the the documents, and he's like, "This is nonsense. How am I supposed to make sense of this?" And he just like makes sense of this. It, it, it's not, to him it's like he's telling them to just make sense of it like there, there, there's there's reason there's rhyme and reason yeah. to this um, but obviously he's just repeating stuff and as he's looking for, uh, through it uh, Cooper looks up at this uh, boxing poster which I believe the name on it's a reference to one of Cooper's first uh, films like one of his short films or something like that uh, I, I don't know exactly it's it's also the, the name of this manager it's his poster it's oh him. no I, I knew that yeah, I was yeah, just, yeah. before I was getting to that yeah because right, okay. you see his name his name plate on the, on yeah, the desk yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and the reason why that's important because he, uh, he looks up at it and he he, he makes a little fist. He's, he's, sort of, he's sort of copying the pose with the you know he's a mm. boxing pose. And what what I read this as is he's looking because because Cooper has the same moment uh, where he looks up at the poster and he looks down at him. And that, that's where if you've not noticed it's the same person, you, this is where it tells you because yeah. he's looking up at it and he's looking down. And I thought this was interesting. I thought this was Cooper looking at this and going, "Hmm, he used to be different. This is who he used to be." But now he's like this. Yeah. And that, that's how I read it. This is the idea getting into his head that maybe I used to be someone because he used to be completely different. He used to be this boxer. Yeah, yeah. What what, what was I like? Yeah. Um. So I, I, thought, I thought that was very interesting. That way. And then, so as, as this is all playing out, the, the boss is looking through all of the, all the files and then he eventually slows down and he has that moment of, wait a minute, and he looks at a couple of them and he's like, Hmm. And he says a couple of things to him. He says, um, he, he makes sense of it, basically. And he yeah. says a couple of things. Oh, th- thank you so much for this. Keep this to yourself. This is very disturbing. Yeah. And it, then he says, uh, I may need your help again, but thank you so much. This is, you know, he, he basically thanks him. And the, the, the disturbing part was basically the part that confirmed to me, oh, this was Anthony's stuff. That Whatever he's pointed out, the connections he's made with these lines have pointed out 
that Anthony has been frauding them. He has been doing things to steal yeah, from them or whatever. It's definitely the lines that he's paying attention because it's the big scribbles next yeah. to the names and then the lines connecting them. The ladders and the stairs themselves seem irrelevant. Separate. Yeah, they, they yeah. seem like nonsense that he can't make sense of. But it's the line. It's almost like he's pointing out where, oh, look at in all these cases, there's like names being reused or there's other things happening. Like he's pointing out discrepancies. Yeah, in a very sort of oblique way or vague way that he, I think that's what it is as well. Yeah, yeah. that he's noticing. Uh, but I thought that, I thought that was very interesting, uh, and obviously Anthony's reaction uh, when this comes about is interesting. Um, should be interesting, rather. Uh, but no, so that that was actually the last between Cooper in this episode. That was that was his stuff. Uh, good good scenes though. Um, I, I yeah. liked all his stuff again. Uh, then we had Janie E in the park meeting with the uh, the, the gambling debt collectors. Uh, one of whom is played by Jeremy Davies, who I know from Lost and a couple other things. Uh, he he had the mullet in this scene. Yeah, right. He doesn't usually have a mullet, but he had a mullet in this scene. Um, why not? But yeah, so we find out that Dougie D- D- borrowed twenty grand to gamble. The reason why it's fifty, technically now fifty-two, uh, as they say, because the debt's still going up. Um. He like that's what that's what they owe, and then Naomi Watts, uh, Janie E, goes up, just gives this great speech about how you know they're not that rich, they drive shitty cars, they're one of the, the you know the ninety nine percenters as she puts yep. it, um, and I felt like this was a little bit of a almost just release for like Lynch to throw in some again a bit more like sort of criticism of like the modern society like what's currently going on. There's a lot because you know the idea of the ninety nine percenters and the one percenters like. That's not to say that didn't exist in 1991 or whatever, but no one was calling it that. No one was using those no, terms. No, it's very, very relevant at the minute, yeah. isn't it? Um, so, no, I think that's uh, very... And then she, then she uses her own knowledge because she works at a bank and she talks about how interest works and what it usually is. And she's like, I'm going to be very generous and give you 25%. So here's 25 grand. Yeah. Uh, and you will take it and you will like it is basically the... The, 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 the gist of it but then to go back with the, the, the social commentary she then chastises them for being part of the corrupt system she says uh, you should be ashamed of yourselves for being part you know, the world's so dark right now and you're part of it you're part of the problem uh, dark times she calls it um, but yeah so I, I thought that was very interesting it was basically just what, a, a social commentary scene but it was it also was. Good, it was good for her because it, it gave her more of like because so far we've seen her nag you know Cooper a lot whereas this shows yeah, that she's I just think- generally a strong-willed person in general. This, this is definitely the first time we've seen it outside of relation to Dougie's stuff. I mean, yeah. this is, you know, it's still Dougie's debt, so it's kind of yeah. related still, but it's it's her scene rather than someone else's. <laughs> Jade give two raids. Oh, I bet she did. <laughs> oh, yeah. That scene. Uh, then we cut with the, the, the assassin theme, the, the hitman theme comes back in. Mm-hmm. Um, we see uh, the woman who called the box, uh, the, the hitman lady, and she she's on the phone. She's like, "What bodies? What? There's what?" And we just see we see the spike walking around, just sort of like full full speed ahead, not not a running, just a, a a sort of very intentioned walk. And he just comes walking around. He's got a little bit of blood on him. He's, he's got his ice pick in his hand, and he comes in. He just runs up to her and starts stabbing her violently in the corner. Yep, pretty much. It's and pretty great. It is fantastic. It is a glo- it's just it's so visceral and surreal again because just because of who he is, the fact that he's in an ice pick, his determination, everything about it is just like this surreal David Lynch kind of death scene. And it reminded me a lot actually. Remember that scene in Mulholland Drive 
where the hitman takes someone out, but then he notices yeah. the cleaner is watching. It was the exact same thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one of the other people working in this building witnesses the crime and he sees her and she tries to run and then he just storms off again. You don't actually see this one, but you, you don't have to because you've, you've just yeah, seen it. The implications there. It's kind of like at the start of the episode where the, the security guard just it just cuts to him like knocking on the door at the house rather than having to see him like drive and find the red door again. We've seen it. We know how that worked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we, we get the comments still about that, but we get it. Yeah. Uh, and... It, the music actually stops at one point, and it's after he's killed the, the witness. He, he walks out into the hall, and his ice pick is bent. It's like it's, it's proper bent. And he looks really upset. And he gets really upset about it. It, it looks like his favorite toy has just been broken, and it that cracked me up. That was yeah, that's pretty yeah. great. Uh, the Spike might be my favorite new character. That's fair. He's fantastic. I love him. Uh, but yeah, so obviously, and again, much like I said, you know, number six, Cooper's next. No, yeah, got, I mean, we know he's the next yeah, target. He's got two contracts and Cooper is next, so uh, one of them... It's going to be interesting. At least one of them is right, even if I'm wrong about the number. <laughs> um, yeah. So, no, so that's cool. Uh, that takes us on to... Quick scene with Richard. He stops uh, He stops somewhere remote and he uh, cleans the blood from his front of his truck. And obviously, I'll have to point out that blood is red, but blood is red, and that's a big part of the show. As blood tends to be. It, it does tend to be. Uh, but he has to clean that off the front of his truck. And that's what he does. Yeah. We're also looking kind of pissed off about everything. Uh, then we get what, despite the fact that I said the spike killing spree was probably the the most exciting episode of the episode, uh, second scene of the episode in terms of in terms of action, in terms of visceral kind of stuff going on, excitement. Yeah. I think the most interesting scene of the episode is the next one with Hawk. Yeah, in terms of plot advancement. Yeah, because Hawk's in the bathroom at the police station, and he he drops his coin after he washes his hands. And it's, it rolls into the cubicle, and right away I'm like, oh, there's only one scene of Twin Peaks that sticks out in my head in a cubicle. I, I also want to point out a coin. You know, obviously we saw that earlier in the episode, mm, where true. the coin was acting strangely. That is true. Uh, and then you wonder, like, if, if, if we're getting like electromagnetic things coming from the lodge, is magnetism part of that? And that's why, because coins are small yeah. enough that even weak magnets can manipulate yeah, exactly. coins kind of thing. Um, so I, yeah, I wonder if that, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, but he, he picks up the coin and he notices that uh, the head on it's a Native American. Yeah. And obviously we know that he's looking for something that relates to his heritage. And he turns around and he sees on the cubicle door, like the company that makes the cubicles has a Native American logo. They're that, that's just the company's thing. There's uh, purse manufacturing. Oh, did you not not down the actual I did, thing? Just in case. Just in case. Uh, and he looks up at the door, and like the, the the corner of the door is kind of like just kind of it's like one of the rivets has kind of came out, and he's just kind of yeah. floppy, and he's like, hmm. And obviously he's thinking the same thing. He's putting these pieces together, and even though it's a long shot, it's Twin Peaks. He knows the log lady's usually right, <laughs> so he he starts to pry it off it to the point where he goes and gets like a sort of crowbar thing to yeah. start start properly prying it. And then before he gets to the good stuff, that prick Chad comes in with a book and a cup of coffee. Because you, you take coffee into the bathroom like a civilised yeah, person. Yeah, I think you do in Twin Peaks, to be fair. You probably do. He's like, does the sheriff know about this? I'm going to tell him. He's like, you do that, Chad. <laughs> piss off, Chad. Chad Chad's just... I, I wrote down Chad as a... And then a word I cannot say on this recording. Mine, mine's just Chad's the worst. Uh, yeah. Um, the word begins with C, for the record. Uh, I, I, um, I figured it might. But, uh, so, but no, he, he, he takes the door off. He gets his hand in. And he pulls out some paper, specifically yeah. perhaps 
pages of something. I want to point out some key facts from the old show here, which I think is very relevant at this moment in time. There were pages missing from Laura's diary. There were. Fire walk with me. Annie told, in in her dream, Annie told Laura to write about meeting Cooper in the lodge in her diary. Yep. Is that what's on those pages? It could well be. The only question then is, when did they get in there? Well, we know the one our man was in that cubicle at some point. Okay, that's true. Uh, okay, bad question then in that case. who put If he put them there, mm-hmm. how did he get those pages in the first place? Um, I feel like I need to watch Firewalk with me again and see when he... Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Uh, to really answer that... Hmm. Someone might be able to help us out in the comments on this one. Yeah, if, if there's a time where he clearly could have gotten, gotten access to them, uh, by all means, let us know in the comments if you can think of something. Uh, but given that he clearly, because he was trying to warn Laura in Firewall with me, like uh, he was trying to help her, he was trying to yes. you know defeat Bob. He's tried to, and we know that Hawk's looking for something. Something is missing. In this case, he's just the pages, which were always missing, which is I think it's really cool that it's tying in because. Way back in yeah, the original it's not show. something that's gone missing since. Yeah, it, even back in the original show, that was a mystery. There's pages missing, and they never brought it up. And now it's like, oh, pages missing. Yeah, yeah, and it's also to do with Cooper. It's like, yeah, it's not necessary to do with the investigation, perhaps. Yeah, but well, what is on the paper is to do with Cooper. That is why I immediately jumped to that scene in Firewalk with Me, where Annie tells her to write. Because I think yeah. when we talked about Firewalk with Me, we said, oh, maybe she didn't write. Maybe she forgot and she didn't write it down. But now I'm thinking, no, those missing yeah. pages. Yeah, we, we speculated that much like how after Cooper's first dream yeah. uh, in, in the lodge, he forgot the answer that Laura told him. Yeah, but how insane is it that the, the plot of this season will somehow tie in the fact that she was told something in a dream before the show... And a movie that was made 25 years ago. Yeah, it's insane. It's Some ins- serious planning went into this. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm not saying they had this exactly planned at the time, but I think because those diary pages were missing, I think at least this part of it, the idea that those diary pages... Yeah, I had, think the core idea is intact. Yeah, the, the idea that the diary pages had something important on them from Laura yeah. uh, was clearly there at the time. Uh, maybe what was on them has changed since then, like, and that's fine, but... But the, 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 yeah, the idea of these missing pages has always been there. And the, the idea that Annie told, tells her to write about Cooper and, and the... I mean, maybe that was always the idea. Maybe the idea was always that in, if we'd gotten a season three back then, they would figure out that Cooper wasn't really Cooper because they'd find these pages and the pages would say, Cooper's in the lodge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I mean. The, the yeah. circumstances have certainly changed based yeah. on the, the 25-year gap, but the idea of these pages being the key and, fi- and giving them information, that seems to be a constant. And what I love about that is that you think, oh, coming back 25 years later, obviously a lot of stuff's going to be new, and anything they try to tie into, like, it was always there, is go- sometimes can feel like just like a little retcon. And you wouldn't necessarily blame them for it, but it sometimes can. It feels like when they bring something back, and they- you know, it's, it's kind of like when a movie trilogy, in the third movie, they'll say, oh, no, something that happened in the first movie was actually this, and they try and change their conception. Yeah, yeah. This feels like, no, this was seeded. This was actually had the, the elements were planted in the original show. And, and in the Firewalk With Me movie, so... Yeah, I agree really cool. uh, And then one last scene, uh, still in the police station, uh, <laughs> Doris, uh, Sheriff Frank Truman's wife, uh, shows up again, and she's pissed because the car that she complained was not fixed, her dad's car, is still not working. Uh, he can't get it to run. 
and uh, it's a very awkward moment. So it's in the main sort of like a uh, area, the, you know, the new area of the station where the, the you yeah, know, the, yeah, the big actual workroom. Yeah, the office with the other cops and stuff. And he like takes her off and tra- says, "Let's come to my office." And then Chad, I've actually written. Do you remember I said earlier on? I said Chad is a, and then a word I can't yeah. say. I wrote it down again in this scene. No, oh, no, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I wrote that twice because uh, the uh, dispatch lady uh, is like, because because Chad says something like, "Oh, I couldn't put up with that that woman," and so like, you know what we are talking about. It's like, do you, do you know their son killed himself? Uh, and it's like, oh, this is, okay, this is some character stuff. This is interesting stuff we didn't know. And Chad's like, yeah, I heard about that. He couldn't handle being a soldier. And I'm like, are you making fun of someone who committed suicide? Are you really doing that right now? It- yeah. Do you know what? I've got a horrible feeling. Oh, God. Chad is going to end up a hero because we hate him so much. They're going out of their way to make make us hate him, that he's got to do something amazing at some point. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to be the opposite. I think he's going to get some serious comeuppance. I think I think that kid going splat, I think uh, Hitman Lady getting stabbed to death, that's going to look like nothing when we see what happens to Chad. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I trust I, in Lynch. I, I thought it was really interesting. He was like, yeah, it's a free country. I can say what I want. And her face is like, well, yeah, you, you can, but maybe you shouldn't. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe a bit more. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but there's maybe a bit, a bit more, a touch more social commentary there <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah. with, that, with that little exchange. Um, so no, uh, yeah. So so we know they had a, had a, had a soldier, a son that was a soldier, and he's committed suicide. So maybe that'll be some important backstory that comes up later, uh, or maybe it'll just drive some of Frank's motivations when we see him fail interact with Cooper and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, who's to say at this point? Uh, the last thing I noted down about this scene is. Uh, uh, Jesse, who's the other cop, he's he's the one who gave the uh, five second pause. Uh, I think it was episode three or four, whatever one that was. Yeah, when he, yeah, when he, yeah, another one on the when door. He, when he came in the room and he just sort of made this pause and then said, "Oh, your son's outside." Uh, he he, the camera like panned across to him from Chad at the end of the scene, and he was he's just staring up like that. Yeah, he's just staring off into nothing as if. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Strange. Interesting. He's a cookie character. He is. I'm interested in more Jesse. But then I got then again we cut to the bang bang bar and we were played up with a song. No scene this time. It wasn't a fake out. It was not. That's a genuine end. But this, this is the thing because last time it was a fake out. When I went to the bang bang bar, I checked the time on the how much was left. Well, yeah, yeah. I went to the bang bang bar and it, it went for quite a while before the yeah. first bit of the credits actually came up. So I was half expecting something to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I checked the time and I was like, oh shit, it's only three minutes. So I will. I guess it's all because yeah. I, I will say this that the, these episodes are going in super quick. They are damn near yeah, full hour longs, and they do not feel it at all. Like it is yeah. going in super quick. That is a testament to how the pacing of because the scenes are quite long, some of them, but the pacing, the the way each scene itself holds your attention, is very very mm. strong. Definitely. Um, so no, uh, I I like this episode. Uh, it, I, yeah, it was good. I, I don't. I don't think I don't know if it's my favorite yet, but it it's it feels the strongest in having all of the elements together if that makes sense yeah it does i get what you're saying like, it, it, it's because it had things like um the, the all the scenes intercutting and leading to something it felt like it was a cohesive story in this episode rather than just heck, all these yeah. disparate overall threads kinda kinda uh but I'm, I'm loving where it's going i i genuinely think uh the journey to like cooper being cooper I think that could be another episode or two, maybe exactly halfway at the uh, mm. episode eight mark. I, but I, I feel like 
because the one man actually brought it up and said you need to wake up, I feel like, like, because that almost made me think that it might be back by the end of the episode because it felt like it was triggering the start of the process of, no, this is when he really starts to, because someone's telling him he needs to wake up. Yeah, um, I get you. And I feel like next episode we'll probably see the key arrive, maybe, at the Great Northern. Yeah, maybe. yeah, it makes sense. And get back to, to Doppelcoop. And get back to Doppelcoop. Uh, cow jumped over the moon. Mm. But no, there you go. That is uh, that is Twin Peaks. That might be the shortest review we've done yet. I don't know if that means we had less interesting things to say or if uh, maybe the show just had less things to talk about or maybe we have just learned to cut out some fluff. I don't know. Um, but here we are. Uh, so that is uh, Twin Peaks uh, Part 6 of The Return. Uh, it's my favourite thing on TV right now so I am exceedingly looking forward to next week's episode so no, let us know what you thought of the episode in the comments below like subscribe all that stuff get us on twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates individual twitters are on the screen if you want to support us you can head over to patreon.com slash mailed fuzz tv check out some of the bonuses over there if you want to yeah, sort of keep the lights on that kind of thing uh, but that is us so thank you very much once again for watching keep watching tv have you got any vanilla